Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Coming Up Winners. I am your host, Jason McIntyre, joined as always by Andrew Lynch. Folks, March Madness is here. It's official. Uh, I already had producer Conrad tell me, I don't know if I could watch games with you, Jason, because I'm so fired up about the games. You're fired up just looking at lines. It's incredible. Oh, man. I went over everything for like four hours last night after the brackets came out. Then I watched Billions. Amazing. Tell me you watched Billions, guys. Incredible season opener. Um, we have so much on this podcast, okay? I just did an interview with the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. They have a half a million dollar exposure on a number one seed if they win the title. It's you got to This is I'm telling you, this is some great stuff. He gave out three teams that are getting sharp money, three underdogs in the first round. That'll be coming up shortly. Uh, first, we're going to dive into the games. We're going to look at double-digit uh, seeds that we think can make a run. I've got possibly two uh, underdogs that we like. Uh, Lynch has three. I agree with all three of them. It's getting scary. Um, I want to quickly say... Uh, just a quick story. Um, so what? back when I had a normal job, you know, 9 to 5 TPS reports, etc., I had a system lynch that was – I've actually never done a TPS report. It just sounds funny. Office space, obviously. Sure, so, of course. Lynch, I had this system where I had to watch the Thursday-Friday game. Sure. So I would set it up, and you guys used this this week. I would always come in the Monday after brackets with like a little cough, a fake cough in the office, a little sniffle. Oh, I don't know. Not feeling great. And Tuesday, it would amp up a bit. So everybody knew, oh, I might be getting sick. You know, sniffling, fake blowing your nose, coughing. By Wednesday, it's full on, yeah, I'm not good. I, I don't know. Jason, go home. No, no, I can, I can tough it out. So at this point, everybody knows I'm sick. I call in sick Thursday. I watch the games from home. This was pre-social media, so you weren't like, oh, look at that buzzer beat. You know, and everybody knows you're not sick. And I would be able to get off Thursday and Friday and watch the games. This was foolproof okay they Once, knew you know that they knew right your boss knew well, this like wasn't, this wasn't totally working in sports i was at a magazine in new york city uh and it wasn't a sports magazine they know and they probably knew um but also you can't really talk about the brackets while you're faking sickness right because then well, where's the gonna, fun in that people are gonna know that you're tying the illness to the brackets now producer conrad came in a little hurting today and i was wondering is something amiss, Conrad? Or are you going to try to bail on Thursday and Friday? Why not? I have the best job in the world. I can watch all the games here. We have yeah. so many TVs. I'm going to get paid ba, ba, to ba, watch ba, the ba, games. Ba, 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 to go along that same fact, though, from the eighth grade all the way through high school, never did I miss an NCAA tournament day. Wow. I took off two days every single year of the first rounds. Every year, going through, all the way genius. through high school. I will never forget. I think it was eighth grade. Might have been ninth, whatever. I'm walking down the hall, and my buddy, whose dad worked at USA Today, he was like a photographer, his dad would check in with him. He would, like, call his dad to find out scores. And my buddy comes up to me, you love Syracuse? They just lost to Richmond. And I was like, there's no way. Richmond's a 15 seed. And this was back when there was no true TV and TBS and all that stuff for the game. I remember those days. It was just CBS, and you get the scores. And I get home, and I was 
devastated. Billy Owens, who I was a huge fan of, Syracuse, they lost to Richmond. And um, I'm sure you guys have these March Madness moments to look back on. Um, but l- let's dive into these games. If you want to interrupt for stories, by the way. Uh, real quick, you buried the lead. Not only is it March Madness, but your son's basketball team's yes. bracket oh, right, is right, live. Right. I'm taking odds at Andrew Lynch, minus 850 to win the whole thing. Let's go. Minus 850. Wow, we are the number one seed. There's I just listened to This is not a lie, listener. Oh, I just listened to J-Mac before we started recording this podcast. <laughs> Jump on the phone and be like, hey. Can I set up some uh, some gym time? No, no, no. We got we got these uh, these elementary school kids. They're gonna practice outdoors, but it might rain. So just in case, I need to book an indoor practice facility. Minus eight fifty all day, this easy money. We uh, you know we're eight and zero. I've I've posted some clips on Instagram uh, stories, obviously, and um, I, I gotta just say my kids are fired up. We have an awesome team. Me and another coach. Uh, we we only won our last game by one, but they, we beat the team that's seeded, I believe, third in the tournament. We don't want to see them again. They're very good. Uh, by the way, we threw a junk defense at their two stars, and I feel bad because I'm friends with the dad of one of the stars. We held his son scoreless. Uh, it was it was a great effort by our kids. Um, anyways, all right, March Madness. That's what people came here for. Picks. I, listen, I asked Conrad if he fired on any games last night. He said no. I Coward. was stunned. I must. You know, listen. Championship week, I'll do. I'll go heavy. First halves, second halves, overs, unders. I was a whole kit and caboodle. Is that still a thing? That's a thing for sure. And um, I've already fired on six games last night, and I fired on another three more today. I'm just, I'm just throwing the money around. Um, and if you lose, you lose. Whatever. It's not great, but I'm feeling good about some of these bets. Where should we start? You know what, Lynch? I'll give you the first pick. Give uh, me an underdog. You've already bet that you like a lot in the first round. So I talked a lot during the the NFL regular season, uh, and I think it, the numbers bared it out this year, that I like teams that are elite in one capacity or another. And in the NFL, be it on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, even just being a really good running team. In March Madness, again, I've said it a number of times, I'm not a huge college basketball fan. I can't tell you a lot of these individual players, but I am a big fan of big data and numbers. And I think one of the biggest one of the biggest indicators of whether a team is capable of pulling off an upset is their three-point shooting. Ooh. And that's why I am looking at Northeastern versus Kansas all day wow. long. Northeastern top 25 in both three-point attempt rate and three-point shooting percentage. So they jack a ton of threes, and they knock them down. They opened it about, I think in some books, they opened it uh, as 10-point dogs. Most books, eight and a half. It's already been bet down to seven this morning. I'm sorry. I'm looking at Northeastern on the money line. I just took them plus 275. Probably not quite the value I would have liked. I, I really like this Northeastern team and their ability to just get threes up and potentially increase the variance in this game and come out as outright winners. Yeah, this is a not a good Kansas team. Uh, at home, they were solid. They're down two starters, uh, the kid Vic on Azabuki. Um, but why I like Northeastern, and I'm with you, that's another game I've bet. They've got a point guard, a Serbian 23-year-old kid named Vasa Pusisha. I probably butchered his last name. You did. It's fine. He's a 23-year-old, okay? Those matter in March. Uh, he's averaging 17 a game this year and last year. This is a Northeastern team. They've seen some good, aggressive, athletic teams. They l- lost to Syracuse by a lot. They lost to Virginia Tech by even more. 
Um, but this, like you said, they can bang the threes. I'm on Northeastern in the first half. Because uh, let me give you the logic for that. So Kansas went heavy in the uh, conference tournament, right? They did not want to get embarrassed. They thought, you know what? We didn't win the conference championship for the first time in forever. Let's win this. And they fairly they got smoked in, in the final by Iowa State, a good team. I think there's going to be a hangover. This is not one of Bill Self's best teams. Ken Palm has this at eight. Uh, Kansas winning by eight. I'm on Northeastern first half. Uh, may, hopefully you get five. Um, and then I probably will be on them full game as well. Now, I'm a 20-bracket guy. Okay, I enter as many bracket contests as I can. A lot of head shaking. In I was going to say, are all of those just like trying to find the best matchups and playing the potential outcomes? Or do you do some fun like mascot-based? Like, Are these all just very serious brackets? They're not all serious. But yeah, I'll have like two upset-heavy brackets uh, where you've got I like, like seven and a four. I respect that. That's great. Uh, just to mix it up. You never know what could happen. Uh, and I try to win these. I love brackets. And I compare 20 brackets to when you go to a bar, right? If you just talk to one girl mm. and invest your whole night in that girl. beautiful mind theory. Got it. And then she's like, I'm out. I got to go. And you don't get a number, and it's now 1 in the morning. It's over. You're done. No shot. You go to a bar, and you just talk to as many girls as you can. Maybe you secure three numbers. Conrad, you're laughing. I know you subscribe to this theory. So you're, you're finding the Nash equilibrium of your bracket strategy. I don't know what that means, but I, <laughs> I, I like the sound of Nash equilibrium. Um, so, anyways, I'm with you on Northeastern. Connor, why don't you toss a game in the hopper? Give me something. No chalk. We're not doing chalk here. By the way, we are going to pick against the spread every first-round game. Every game? On Wednesday's podcast. Every game. Every first-round game. Let's do it. That's oh, going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of bad bets. Now, in this in this case, I would have to go with the seven-seed Wofford. I know they had, a, they had a tremendous season, but Seton Hall, they were they were top down the stretch coming in the Big East. But I'm telling you what, right now, Wofford's going to make a run. And I'm telling you, Wofford's going to beat Kentucky. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites right now wow. over Seton Hall is what I'm seeing. Huh. I mean, when you have a backcourt named Fletcher McGee and Storm Murphy, it's impossible not to put money on them. Wait, what's the spread? Three. No, it's not a three. Yeah, it's at three. Wofford minus three. Uh, Ken Palm has Wofford by five. Wofford, top 20 team in the Ken Palm ratings. They're, they haven't uh, lost since December 19th. Yeah, I, I really like this Wofford team. Plus, anyway, I mentioned it to you guys before, like the the whole entire thing of like mascots, bend on mascots. Give me dog mascots all day. I'll take the Terriers. Wow. Hold up. This team hasn't had a five point. They haven't had a close game since February 7th. Nope. They've been oh beating everybody. Goodness. Now, out of conference, uh, lost at Mississippi State. Lost by a million to Kansas. Beat South Carolina. Lost to Oklahoma. Lost a relatively close game to North Carolina. But this subscribes to the Andrew Lynch theory of three-point shooting. Number two in the country in three-point shooting. So very good offense. Uh, Kentucky doesn't play a lot of defense. They're a young team, too. Uh, I, I don't love Kentucky in the second round. Wofford's best two players um, are seniors. Oof. That's not a bad play. That is not bad at all. Storm Murphy, only a sophomore. 5'11", a little spark plug. Uh, I, I, I can dig that. I like the Wofford pick. Um, I'm going to go with a team that I kind of bashed on this podcast a couple weeks ago, Nevada. Mm. Um, Still I, saying it wrong. Uh, uh, Nevada? Sorry, sorry. Nevada. Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. I'm an East Coast guy. Um, I was out on Nevada. Nailed it. Um a couple weeks ago they play florida and if you watched any of these bracket shows last night on tv everybody's taking florida everybody oh well, nevada just lost they've been limping let me just tell you uh i was on san diego state 
in their conference tournament. That was one of my uh, big bets, actually, over the weekend. They were 10.5-point dogs, San Diego State, and beat Nevada outright. Nevada was looking ahead to the rematch with Utah State because the last time they played, it was heated. If you remember, there was video of like, the teams and the coaches exchanging words. Somebody punched a fire extinguisher, bloodied his hand up. This is a, a Wolfpack team. I'll stop saying Nevada so I don't keep screwing it up. Um, they came back from like a million down last year to beat Cincinnati. This team has like a bunch of 21, 22, 23-year-old kids. They're not going to be afraid of anything. I like them against Florida. Uh, the line was three. It's down to two. Florida has two freshmen. I don't think they'll handle the Nevada pressure well. And I'm telling you right now, I believe Michigan's going to struggle in their opener against Montana. It's a rematch from the year prior. Um, Michigan, again, put a lot into the conference tournament like Kansas. And then they choked in the second half against uh, Sparty. I think Montana in the first half will give them a run. Michigan obviously will prevail. But I like the Wolfpack to take down Florida and then knock off Michigan. Now, again, I know I said the Wolfpack are susceptible to zones because of the shooting, can be spotty. Michigan, of course, very good beeline with his zones. But I'm going to go with Nevada to take down Florida and then Michigan. Uh, folks, I'll tell you right now, in one or two of my brackets, I'm going to have them in the Final Four. So I'm going to go with the Wolfpack as my number one pick here of teams to watch in week one. Or op opening round games. Oh, man. Can you imagine if this was like a 16-week thing? That would, <laughs> I could not. My wife would not survive that. 64 games every week. Let's go. <laughs> Expand that bad boy. Uh, all right. Well, what's next for you, Lynch? This one's getting kind of tough because it is becoming a very public underdog, and so the number has come down. Um, but I jumped all over last. I I only made one bet last night. I'm not you know out here spending 17 hours watching college basketball uh, selection like shows. I wouldn't even say that. I like you have much more of a life than I do. All I right. just I cannot begin to touch your dedication to college basketball. It's it's admirable. I really like the Anteaters. Give me your oh, here Irvine. We go. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Kansas. Apparently, I have a bias against your state this morning. Um, there's probably some very deep-seated <laughs> reasons for that, but whatever. Um, again, it just comes back to what does this team do well? And UCI is an extraordinarily good defensive team, particularly against two-point shots. Uh, Kansas State isn't a team that I'm worried about really jacking up a ton of threes. UCI, number one in two-point defense this year. Mm -hmm. They're in the 97th percentile in half-court defense. This is probably going to be a slog. Give me UCI and the points. I don't think I'm making a money line bet here, but I really do like the Anteaters. Yeah, no, I love that. That's a great, that's a phenomenal bet. Um, I remember this team last year, and uh, they lost in their conference title game, and it was pretty devastating for them because they were a good team. They got revenge on that Cal State Fullerton team, winning by 28. Okay, When you look in the Ken Palm stats at experience, uh, UCI is one of the most experienced teams, 12th in this entire field. Now, yes, Kansas State is experienced. They had a good run last year. But I think you alluded to earlier the Dean Wade injury is huge for Kansas State. Offensively, they are going to struggle. I think I'll give a hard look at the under as well. The key number here to watch is 60. When Kansas State does not score 60 points, they've lost six times. Okay. Uh, they're going to hold you low, but if they don't get to 60, no Dean Wade, six of their eight losses when they were held under 60 points. I'm on UC Irvine as well. I love that bet, Andrew Lynch. I'd, and I I really like what you're saying with the over-under as well because, listen, Kansas State, they're no slouches on defense either. They were fourth in adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm this year. This is going to be a slog. But, yeah, minus one of their key pieces, I really like Irvine. 
Yeah, and I think you're right. The public will probably come in on K-State, given last year's run. They beat Kentucky, I think, in the uh, Sweet 16. Yeah, I remember I was all over heavy on Kentucky. That loss stung. So UC Irvine, the Anteaters. Love that pick. Real quick, and I, but I do want to ch- uh, check you there real quick. 73% of the tickets so far and 80% of the money on UCI. Whoa! That's why, that's, is, that's why it's come down from oh, five and a half a to four. It, it's come down from six to four and a half in a, a lot of places. Thirteen seed is a public dog. This no. is, and we, you talk about this a little bit with uh, with Mr. Sheeran as we're going to see here in a little bit. In gambling, and especially in 2019, it becomes less and less about the games and about the the players. You're you're in an information economy, and people have gotten so much smarter. There's so much more information out there, and I would argue it's even easier to find the information that is relevant, the information that's not. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that affects gambling in the years to come as it becomes a more public uh, a marketplace. That, that was extremely well said. I would re- recommend that you clip that off and put the sound on Twitter. No, that sounded awesome. An information economy. I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Conrad, what do you got? Yeah, mine doesn't have half the intelligence of a play. <laughs> but mine mine is very, like, in the sense of, like, I think this should be a lock. So Cincinnati's playing Iowa in Columbus. It's about a 90-minute trip right up to Columbus. But Cincinnati right now, minus three and a half against Iowa. Iowa in their last eight games, two and six. Have not won a legitimate game as far as, like, a big-time game since January 12th. Yeah. This team has been reeling bad. And this game's going to be a home game for Cincinnati. Being from Columbus... I know how many Cincinnati fans are there. Even when Cincinnati plays Ohio State in football, a ton of Bearcats show up. Cincinnati is going to show up. They're going to muck it up. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Over-under is 138. I love the under there as well. Are you looking to the next step? Uh, Cincinnati playing in Columbus against a team I have a futures ticket on, Tennessee. Yeah. I, I That scares me if I'm the Vols. This is, I mean, Mick Cronin, damn good coach. Cumberland is a really good player. I think he had 33 against Houston yesterday, uh, Sunday. I, Cincinnati's dangerous. I like the Vols a lot, but man, you, that, that Cincinnati playing at home, I think Tennessee got a job there. Yeah, well, no, it's it's tough to say, though, too, because with Mick Cronin, he really hasn't won anything at Cincinnati. He's been there forever. I mean, any, any big-time games, they've had chances, they've had high seeds, and they still haven't been able to produce. But in this situation... Iowa's been really bad over the last two months, yeah, I don't and like I that. think Cincinnati's going to yeah. be able to take them in basically what is a home game. I, I don't like Iowa at all. That, By the way, that whole half of the regional is crazy. Villanova plays St. Mary's, and I'm telling you right now, uh, no defending champion has made it out of the uh, past the Sweet 16 since Florida. Remember when they went back-to-back with Joe Kim Noah, uh, Al Horford? Villanova's going to have their hands full against St. Mary's. There's no doubt. And right now, Purdue... I think I tweeted this. Friends don't let friends bet on Purdue in March. Uh, be careful with ODU. Scrappy team. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, Tennessee. That's a brutal half of the bracket. All right, my next game that I am hot on. Let's see. I got so many. Oh, my gosh. I, I got I to die. Give me one. Just, Give, just one. one. Just okay. one. Um, I'm going to go with I like Syracuse to come out of the first weekend. I will be betting them. Obviously, I already bet them uh, minus one and a half against Baylor. I got to confess, I haven't seen a ton of Baylor this year, um, but I trust uh, experience. I think Jim Beheim's like 72. He's been around for like 40 years at Syracuse. He knows what to do in March. A lot of teams haven't seen nasty zone defenses. Now, they've had a couple injuries uh, that they're battling. I think their star battle is going to be back uh, for the game against Baylor. And I'll tell you right now, we saw Gonzaga struggle 
against St. Mary's. They, I think St. Mary's threw a good amount of zone at them, slowed the game down, and Gonzaga missed threes and lost. Syracuse has the size. They have the guards. I'm on uh, Syracuse against Baylor, and I almost certainly will be betting Syracuse on the money line against Gonzaga. See, one thing I always do with every NCAA tournament, <clears throat> if Syracuse is past the three seed, so if they're like a four, five, six, seven, eight, I'll bet Syracuse every single yeah. time because Syracuse is just such a different team. Yeah. When you play that 2-3 zone, Baylor hasn't seen the 2-3 zone like they play all year long. And for whatever reason, as soon as it hits March, it's like Jim Beheim somehow just gets the most out of his guys. They returned like everybody from a good team last year. This is a Syracuse squad. They've actually underachieved this year. Um, and, and I do wonder how Very much Very tough ACC, is. though. Yeah, but again, I, I didn't expect them to be an 18-20 and 13. You know, again, battle... Howard, they got the, they got at least six guys. Listen, Buddy Beheim's a damn good shooter. Seventy two percent of the tickets, ninety three percent of the money on Syracuse. Ninety three percent. Ninety three percent. I'm gonna go research Baylor while you go to your uh, third pick. Uh, I, I gotta look at this Baylor. How is ninety three percent of the people? On the cues, that's crazy. It's the Jim Beheim effect. I'm telling you, because they're different. They're literally one of the only teams you can look at every single March and go, okay, why is this team so different than other teams? Hmm. Oh, Ken Palm does not like uh, this Baylor team. Oof. Oh, my gosh. Baylor's lost four in a row. I was uh, blissfully unaware of that. Now they're uh, two of the th- – ooh. So they lost to Iowa State by a, a million. They lost to Kansas, Oklahoma State. That's a bad loss. And they lost to Kansas State. Um, yeah, this is not a very good Baylor team. Horrible free throw shooting. Yeah, I, I now see why uh, the Qs are in good shape there. So I, I'm, on, uh, I'm on Syracuse. All right. Lynch Bob, you're up. You know, I the the UCI and the Northeastern bets are two that I'm very, very confident in. I don't have a third that I'm like super compelled to make, but I really, really like Yale versus LSU. Mm. I really do. And Yale's not particularly elite in any one facet and you know, kind of goes against the the system, as it were, that I'm trying to use this year. Uh, but they score the ball well. And they avoid turnovers. And I think avoiding turnovers in March is huge. I'm not a big momentum guy. We've talked about this before. But I do think there are situations where the word momentum really describes how a game plays out. And I think in March, especially with with amateurs, um, when you start to turn the ball over and you start to give the other team easy buckets, that turns into just the the damn opening against your team. So I think being able to, to... Keep hold of the ball, not give the other team easy looks is just huge in the tournament. So uh, Hmm. I really like Yale plus eight versus LSU. Interesting. Ken Palm has LSU winning this by nine, but you're right. This is a tough one to peg. Like, which LSU team shows up, Lynch? That's the question. Uh, You know, the team that, you know, hey, it's us against the world and we don't have our coach, but we're going to grit this out and still win because we've got, you know, two or three NBA players. Or is this just a young team? Uh, I, I think they have something like four freshmen that you know, con- contribute a lot. And you could argue this LST, LSU team has been a little lucky. Five and two in overtime games. Uh, I will say this. Naz Reed is a problem. Oh, my gosh. He is really good. Can step out and hit the threes as a 6'10 guy. They got a good lead guard in, uh, in Waters. Uh, but I, uh, let me just put you guys on this kid from Yale. Um, I don't necessarily know how to say his name. Uh, Mie Oni. He's number 25. This guy, he's, what what is it? Nailed it. Nailed it? Okay. He's an NBA player. I follow him on Instagram just because he's like an interesting guy, very smart, intelligent, and a hell of a wing. Uh, Really talented player. You know, I don't think that they're the greatest uh, 
rebounding team in the country, and that could give them a problem against LSU's size. But offensively, they are just really good at shooting the ball uh, inside the two, and they're you know top fifty team shooting the three. I'm with you on that. Uh, I, my only concern, though, give me the public split here. I feel like Yale is going to be almost the public side. It, it, yesterday, again, you watch these shows on TV, and people who don't watch a lot of LSU or Yale, oh, LSU, eh, they're not that good. They never win anything. Well, here's an interesting, uh, again, Yale is the public side by the number of the percentage of bets. They're getting 55% of the tickets. They're also the sharp team. They're 72% of the money. So a 17% added value between the, wow. the percentage of the tickets and the percentage of the money. Um and as you know, as we're about to find out from uh, our good friend at the FanDuel Sportsbook, that sharp tailing sharps is probably even more valuable yeah. in March than perhaps yeah. during the NFL regular well, season. I don't know if you guys saw it on Instagram over the weekend, but a guy, a random Twitter user who listens to the podcast, sent me a DM, and I don't mind saying this, saying, "Hey, Jason, did you do you look at this? Uh, RJ Bell's site, pregame.com, lists all the bets that come in for the game." And you can see, like, oh, there's $200, $500, 1000 you know, 30 40 And then all of a sudden, you get a $33,000 bet. That was me. On San Diego State. And that was, again, in the Nevada game. And this guy's like, listen, Joe Bob ain't coming in betting $33,000. And you can see then the line moves, and it's like, that's the sharp side. Now, uh, I haven't seen any of these bets. This guy's, like, you know, a fan or whatever, and he's monitoring all these. He hasn't seen any yet, obviously, because, as we'll find out soon, the limits are low. But... They were they, those bets went two and one Saturday. Um, Fresno State got thumped by Utah State, but uh, they didn't do as well Sunday. But they were only twenty thousand dollar bets. So is it the group that's betting thirty thousand is sharper than maybe the rich guy with twenty thousand who's not as sharp? Again, you never want to blindly follow anybody. You gotta, as Lynch says, trust your process. Um, I, I think that's something to watch. This where's the big money coming in? Now, I'm gonna give you guys here. An eight seed. I already said one. A uh, number one could go down. Gonzaga to Syracuse. A number one seed. I'm a little concerned about is North Carolina. Um, they got a good team. Uh, they got a lot of dudes. Couple pros. Got young point guard who looks good. But I, for some reason, I'm kind of smitten with Utah State. I, I've watched them probably too much because it's you know friggin' Utah State. But I'm gonna say they they got this kid Merrill who is just one of these consummate college guys, takes good shots, makes the right passes. This Utah State team is dangerous. Uh, I like them to beat Washington. My gosh, did you guys see the Pac-12 title game? Probably not. Yeah, there wasn't was anything to watch. Washington scored two points in the first ten minutes of the second half. They got a coach, uh, the former assistant to Beheim, so they play the 2-3 zone. Mike Hopkins. Hopkins, there you go. But their defense... Uh, is really good. Offensively, they are a train wreck. I think Utah State runs circles around them. And I'm just telling you this. I think Utah State, for me, is going to be a live dog against North Carolina. Um, Ken Palm likes Utah State on both top 50 in offense and defense. Okay? Good shooting team. Really solid defending. And, you know, they've played some pretty decent teams. Okay, San Diego State's in the field. They took two out of three from them. They beat Nevada. And lost to Nevada. Play the Houston team that's very good. Play Arizona State. Keep an eye on Utah State. I've already bet them against Washington. And I'm probably leaning toward them against North Carolina because the public loves North Carolina. Yeah, I don't... Excuse me. I don't know how long you're going to be able to use that strategy, but fade the Pac-12 seems like a very, very viable strategy for, like, 
the play-in game with ASU and then maybe the first round with Washington, and then you're done. Is this uh, a reminder to what happened to your Arizona Wildcats? I don't, even, I don't know anyone by that name. <laughs> Buffalo beat them by a million after Aiton and them went and won the Pac-12 title, remember? And everybody came no in Monday. no recollection of that. DeAndre nope. Aiton, uh, he's going to be the number one pick. He's leading Wisconsin them to the Final Wisconsin is four. a school that doesn't exist. Illinois versus Arizona, that never happened. Nope, oh, none of these things oh, ever happened. no. All right, Conrad, what do you got? You know, my last game is the Badgers. Wisconsin oh, playing now, okay. Oregon. Yeah, and this Finally, is we're, we're yeah. divided on a game. Okay, okay. Here we yeah, go. no, Oregon's probably one of the hottest teams in the country coming into this game. Won eight in a row, but who have they really beaten? They beat Washington. Washington. Yeah, they beat Washington twice, and we talked about this beforehand. If Oregon doesn't win the Pac-12 championship this weekend, they're not in the tournament in my eyes. Even though they would have won seven to eight to go into it, whatever, they still maybe maybe a playing game, but I even doubt it. I don't think this Oregon team is really that good. They lost Bull Bull very early in the season. He's going to be a top 10 pick. Honestly, I think my Badgers behind Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ had an awful Big Ten tournament. He's yeah. not going to go out like that. By the way, you, he cannot shoot free throws. He's Shaq-like from the He line. can't shoot anything. they got to have him off the court sometimes in the final five minutes. That yeah. bad. No, I mean, it's, it happens all the time. I mean, I think he's shooting 46% from the free throw line. Oh. It's not great for a guy that his perfection is just finishing around the rim and okay. getting fouled. Yeah. Put it put it this way. I'm getting Wisconsin minus one at minus 105 right now. Click. You just talked me into it. Okay, yeah. wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, let, let sorry. Me, let me build up the it, case. It's bet successfully placed. There's a green check mark and everything. Oh, damn it. He already pulled the trigger. All right, so we're, I, I got all this information here. I got to sift through it. So um, there is a stat in the 5-12 games where since 2000, Number five seeds have lost straight up all three times they were not favored. And you can say, Jason, that's a trend, fine. Last night, Oregon was briefly favored. I guess maybe it swung back to Wisconsin, okay? So that's one case. The other argument for Oregon is when they lost Bowl Bowl, this team really struggled to find out, like, what do they do? What's their identity and all that? And they struggled a ton. Come the end of February, they start to figure it out, Okay. They beat Washington State, who was not bad. They beat Washington twice, took down Arizona State twice. I'm telling you, man, this kid, Kenny Wooten, is a shot-blocking machine. He's one of the best rim protectors you don't know about. Uh, I love the kid, Louis King, 6'9", freshman. He's probably a first-round pick. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, people become enamored with the white point guards in March. This kid, Peyton Pritchard who was like a Northwest legend in high school. He has become like one of the better floor generals. Bill Walton was just slurping him the entire weekend. I watched a lot of this. The kid Pritchard just doesn't get rattled. Now, I would assume your guy Davison probably right Oh, yeah, we, we, we have our own white point guard, yeah, Brad Davison. It's going to be the battle of white. Now, Davison Pritchard conversation is so problematic. Uh, I'm telling you, this kid Pritchard is nice. And Dana Altman is an awesome coach. Now, I know Wisconsin has a good coach as well, but I like Dana Altman a lot. Oddly, Ken Palm has Wisconsin winning this by five. Now, again, it is a tough Oregon team with the bowl bowl situation. I'm on Oregon, and folks, um, I know it's probably going to be a little uh, nerdy to say I would not be shocked if Oregon got out of the first weekend. And it's probably me going overboard, but as Conrad said earlier, uh, Kansas State beat up, not great. UCI is a sexy pick now. I think Oregon beats Wisconsin, gets out of the first weekend. I'll give you that. Uh, our friends over at the Action Network, they have a pretty robust tournament simulator. Uh, and they came up with a list of their tournament Cinderella's. Uh, they have Oregon as the second likeliest double-digit seed to make it to the Sweet 16. Whoa, don't tell me first. L let's guess first. But that's a great nugget. So, second most likely double-digit seed to make the Sweet 16. All right, let me, let, let's try to guess the other. Conrad, I'll give you. It's not 
um, it's not going to be, I'll go down. It's not going to be Vermont. It's not going to be Murray State. New Mexico State, Northeastern, no, no, Seton Hall, Florida. Florida. It might Florida's be Florida. Florida's number three. Okay, Florida. A lot of people like Florida. Let's see here. Uh, it's not Iowa. Five. Not Minnesota. Yale? No, it's Ohio State, isn't it? Yeah, Lynch was all in the big Ohio State train coming into this. Yeah, it's Ohio, Ohio State, State for sure. Where, where were they? They're in the Midwest. Oh, 11 I, I, seed I, I, with a 13.9% chance to reach the Sweet 16. Oregon with an 11.9% chance. I have not looked. Uh, tell me about Ohio State, Conrad. You're well, Mr. Well, Ohio. Well, I don't no. know anything about this. Ohio team. State down the stretch. I mean, they started losing a lot of games. I wasn't sure they were even going to make the tournament. But then they started getting a little hot towards the end. They had their best player out for three games for a suspension that was unknown. He came back. They performed well in the Big Ten tournament. Well, yeah, beating Indiana was good. So they lost four or five. Yeah. And now, yeah, so now they... they but, they, again, those are not terrible losses. But, I mean, look, smoked by 35 at Purdue. Lost to Wisconsin at home. An 18-point loss at Northwestern? Was that without their... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the game against Wisconsin, I mean, they were down by 25, and they huh. still almost won that game. 27th in adjusted defensive rating this year, according to Ken Palm, while facing the 19th most difficult schedule in the country. Um, very slow team. They were 272nd in adjusted tempo this year. I just I like the defense there. Oh, uh, the contrasting styles. Uh, Iowa State loves to run ninth in offense. Man, this is a really good Iowa State offense. My fear, and 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 I don't. I'm not going to back Ohio State here. This is probably a stay away for me. But Iowa State kitchen sink at the tournament in the Big Twelve. They did everything they could to win that, and they rolled. Um, they had lost three straight coming in to Texas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Uh, heck, heck, they had lost five of six. Before the tournament, they got hot. And, you know, what do they call that state? Hilton South or something? Wherever the Big 12 uh, was held, they call it, you know, they had a huge fan base there. I will say this, though. The kid, uh, Horton Tucker, he's a pro. He could be a, a late lottery pick. Uh, very good player. And then, of course, they got Shayok, uh, the Virginia transfer, who's good. So, I, I even like the kid Wigginton. Um, I've seen a little bit of him. I whew. Ohio State, huh? Yeah. Who's your best player? Wesson? Conrad. Conrad, Conrad <laughs> going to play for No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and – what's the line on that, Lynch? Uh, on Ohio State to Buckeyes. in their first-round game versus oh, Iowa State? Uh, Iowa State, yeah. Uh, Buckeyes are five-and-a-half-point dogs currently. Yeah, Ken Palm has it as a four-point Iowa State win. Huh. Plus 205 on the money line. Boy, this is – see, it's games like this that are going to be tough. All right, so coming up next, we've got a great interview – with the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey, John Sheeran. No relation to Ed Sheeran. You guys are going to love this interview. A lot about where the money is, where the sharp money is, biggest exposures. I want to welcome in John Sheeran, the director of trading at FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. Uh, I do a TV show with John on uh, TVG. He's very plugged in. He was great on the NFL. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on, Jason. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of March Madness. I got down on some games last night, probably within you know an hour or two of the brackets coming out. But I want to ask you, have you seen any big money come in overnight on any of the first-round games? And if not, is it because limits may be low and you'll raise them later in the week? Uh, so, to be honest with you, we haven't seen an awful lot of big volume come through yet. Um, obviously, the limits are relatively low right now. The size and totals are about $2,000. Uh, so, they're relatively high. And um, what we'll do is probably raise them today to about 3,000 sides and 2,000 totals. And then 
come game day or even the night before, uh, what we'll do is progressively raise them as we get through game day to bigger levels. So a lot of people quite possibly um, keeping their powder dry until the limits are raised and you couldn't really blame them doing uh, for doing that. Um, so not really any kind of big uh, wagers no to kind of call out right now. I think people are just getting used to having a look at the bracket and seeing what way that they potentially think that they'll shape up. So uh, nothing to report on that front right now. So, John, this is your uh, first rodeo in March Madness because you guys were live in July 2018 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, is this kind of a test run on how you guys are going to handle March Madness? I mean, I know you obviously had the big NFL season, but are you on the lookout for any potential setups, uh, f- folks coming in early in the week on one side and then knowing that they're going to come in later on the other? Yeah, that's a good point. It is our first rodeo in New Jersey. Um, like you said, we only went live in retail July and then FanDuel went live online in September. So um, do you think that there are learnings that we can take from the NFL, um, partic- particularly like you say, where you've got you know potentially kind of people coming in on one side waiting to bet it down the far side uh, cl- later in the in the week. So that's something we'll be on the lookout for. Like I said, I think we've enough um, experience in you know in Europe and in Australia of managing the lines and you know kind of trying to identify what that looks like. It can be difficult a lot of the times, um, but it's something we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on, particularly through these kind of first kind of 12, 24 hours uh, for lines and maybe any kind of suspicious activity like that uh, that we're always on the lookout for. Uh, so, John, in during NFL season, we talk a lot on the podcast about the public uh, sharp divide. You know, if you see 80% of the public on Team X, usually you want to be on the other side. Does that apply as much to college basketball? And are you seeing any big public sharp divides yet on first-round games? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think it might actually be a little bit more important because, like, the market is so efficient in the NFL. There's so much liquidity in the marketplace that I think, you know, a lot of that public and sharp divide kind of tends to be maybe sometimes overestimated. I think it was quite evident in the Super Bowl this season, despite the result that that's definitely the way that it lay. But outside of that, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it it, it potentially happens late in the week when you've got some strong um, volume on one side from publics, particularly if we've had a lot of, kind of winning favourites through the week going into either the late games on Sunday or the Monday game. There, I think there are opportunities for us. But I think with less liquidity in the marketplace in general, um, I think it might even be more important in the college one. We tend to get on the games quite a lot of two-way action because obviously there's a lot of attention drawn to them. They're all shown live on TV. And you know a lot of the public will like to take uh, the underdogs with big, big starting points. And I think they're the potential ones where you need to kind of look out and see if you saw... I don't know, the likes of Virginia come down a little bit that maybe that might be the sharp side to be on as opposed to kind of just following in a lot of public taking plus 23 and a half against a team who may not be, or well, they're quite efficient, but not the highest scoring team in the world. Interesting. So what lines have moved the most since you posted and can you tell whether or not it's sharp or uh, public money? I, to be honest with you, I mean, I looked for a lot of line moves and I've struggled to really find any that were that kind of significant. I think Bradley are down to 18 and a half from 20 against the Spartans. Um, Northeastern were plus eight and a half. We opened that. I think we're down to seven now. Um, and I think the against uh, Kansas State for Cal Irvine, um, even though it's only a small move right now, five and a half down to five, I think that did open 
eight and a half in places. And I think that's potentially one that you might be interested in where, you know, if the money continues to come for Cal Irvine, obviously Dean Wade's injury is kind of driving a lot of people to kind of take on Kansas State. And if that was to get down another point or so, I think that's potentially one where you might want to take Kansas State the other way, you know? Yeah, no, no, I would agree with you. Uh, we were identifying games beforehand, and Andrew Lynch here with me. He's all over UCI. I already bet UCI. I was looking at Northeastern, uh, more of a first-half play. Um, when do you guys put up lines for the first halves? Is that right before the game or the night before? Uh, we usually do them on days of the game. Um, so as we get closer, obviously there's a, you know, a much higher focus, and product is one thing that we're keen to be aggressive with and give our customers lots of choice. So as the games get close, we'll be uh, working hard on trying to get a lot of the other uh, derivative markets up. Right now, we're up with spreads and totals, money lines and team total points, things like that. Um, before we get into the props, we've got the props available as well. But we definitely be putting pressure on our traders to get a, a lot of the additional product up as quickly as we can. Um, definitely by game day. I mean, and particularly with the bigger teams, right? There's going to be a much bigger um demand from the public for the likes of Duke who are basically unbettable on the money money line and, and going to be a big, a, a big, big favorite regardless of who comes through uh, Central and North Dakota State. Yeah, let's talk about Duke for a moment, uh, John. When it, you said you won't be able to bet them on the money line in the opener. Um, you know, How much exposure do you guys have in the futures market on Duke? If they win the title, do you guys take a bath? Uh, is, is this a team that's tough to project? I mean, I'm seeing out there uh, a line of 35 for Duke in the opening round game. Uh, how are you guys handling the Zion Williamson return? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be huge. I mean, right now, um, they're actually a decent winner for us in the field book. Um, we want to try and keep on the right side of them. Uh, we're out to, I think, plus 220, um, having been, I think we were plus 190 at one stage yesterday. That drift actually, to me, looks a little bit big. I mean, you look through that bracket, and I'm not sure there's too many teams that you would actually you know, think are a threat to getting uh, Duke out of the competition before we get to the final four, so... We're, we're one that we're trying to keep uh, Duke relatively on the right side. We'd be wary of laying too many big bets on them. Um, so they're actually a really good result for us right now. We think that their true chance of winning the whole tournament is about 28%, which would make them obviously about plus 250 um, to win the tournament outright. And as I said, we're plus 220. So you know we're keeping plenty of margin there for ourselves and trying to encourage our betters to bet some of the other teams against them. And um, particularly until we get to the final four stage, where then you then you start to look at you know the likes of Gonzaga and Virginia and possibly North Carolina lining up against them and and trying to understand what probability they have of getting through each of those games to come to an outright price at that stage. Or have there been any teams that have been just overwhelmingly bet in the futures market where you guys you don't want to see, for instance, a Virginia win the title or or a Kentucky because of uh, a lot of money that came in earlier in the season? Uh, yeah, I think at different stages we've laid some quite uh, interesting bets uh, for some of the different teams through the tournament. So right now, um, Virginia, as you call out, is our worst result by kind of some way. Um, we take a, a big hit in the region of about a half a million right now if they were to win the win the tournament. Tennessee are obviously quite bad as well. Uh, Gonzaga, you're starting to get into you know more of an acceptable range in terms of exposure and liability. Um, but it was one we were looking at earlier, and I was looking through the top five or six teams in, in the tournament outright, and 
you know, realistically, the Spartans are about the only team that you would look and say, okay, they've got a chance of winning the whole thing. That would be an absolute skinner for us where we'd be delighted with the results. Um, even though Duke are winners, as I said right now, I think by the time you get them into the final, if they get that far, I think you know that's going to turn around and they'll be a loser at that stage. So um, we're happy with our book right now, but at the same time, I think this is a tournament that kind of looks a little bit more competitive um, when you look at the sheer volume of teams. But when you start to break it down and, and try and understand what percentage chance each of the teams have, I'm not sure that it is that competitive, and I'd be surprised if we don't see, you know, a lot of the top seeds progressing uh, a decent amount of way in the tournament. That's interesting because earlier you said Bradley has uh, taken some money. They're down to what you said from 20 to 18. Yet uh, Michigan State uh, has a good shot. They they've struggled in the last couple of years here in the tournament. Um, I, I their their bracket is kind of easy in the bottom half, but. Duke looming uh, in the Elite Eight. All right, John, I'll get you out of here with this. Um, you know, as the tournament uh, lines up for you guys, do you expect more volume on the local teams outside around New Jersey, say a Villanova, I, I guess St. John's in a play-in game, or do you expect them a, a lot more public plays like a Duke, uh, the number one seeds, Kentucky, and so forth? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I- to be honest with you, like we said earlier, it is our first rodeo. I mean, Villanova, obviously, you know, we're live in retail in Pennsylvania now, and they've got opportunities. They don't necessarily have to travel over into South Jersey to place their wagers. So I'm not sure how good Villanova are anyway. I kind of like St. Mary's and the plus against them. Um, but so, so to, to be honest, I'm not sure we'll see an awful lot of public bias in the tournament. I think you're going to see a lot of concentration around the kind of the high-profile teams, and obviously Duke lead the way in that. But... You know, any of those one seeds look like they appeal to lots of people. You look at the bracket right now and you kind of say, where do I see the upset? And it can be quite hard sometimes, particularly for the stronger teams. Um, but invariably, they come at some stage. So we're looking forward to it. Expect it to be busy time of year for us. You know, we've had a lot of kind of uptake and a lot of the promotional stuff that we're doing right now around, you know, the free bracket, free bracket to play, uh, which can be played from anywhere in the country as well. So all of your listeners can, can log in and join on that. I think it's prize money of about 250000 completely free to pay to play a first prize of about a hundred grand. So everyone can get involved, even if you necessarily are not in New Jersey or Pennsylvania and able to wager with us right now. Awesome stuff. All right, John Sheeran, Director of Trading at FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. John, thanks for your time. Thanks. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. Enjoy the tournament. Bye. Great stuff from John Sheeran, the Director of Trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. Really interesting insight. That Virginia number shocked me because Virginia, a $500,000 exposure, if they're able to win the title, uh, they have some of the best odds right now, Lynch. Uh, any thoughts on uh, anything uh, John said about exposures and money and I think the, the Virginia number is so relevant. Again, it's it's like we were talking about earlier with the the whole information economy thing. Virginia was a number one ranked team this year. They were number one in the Ken Palm efficiency ratings for almost the entire season, uh, but they don't necessarily have the name recognition, don't necessarily have a true lead star, I would argue. And so they're not as public, you know, or, excuse me. So they, they might not have seemed as public, but if you're out there looking at the numbers, you know that this is a very, very good team and you've been getting such great odds anywhere, but right around plus 900 for the entire season. Um, so that doesn't necessarily surprise me. What is really interesting, we've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. Duke is not unbeatable. I would agree. Like to to not use a double negative, 
they're beatable. <laughs> you know, like uh, John said, twenty-eight percent chance is about what they have Duke winning the title. I just did some back of the back of the envelope math this morning, and I had it about about thirty-four, thirty-five percent. So again, Ooh. you're looking at one out of four, one out of three times at most, Duke win this this championship. So don't be surprised if the Blue Devils aren't hoisting the trophy and listening to one shining moment come April. Um, that said, at plus 225, plus 220, there is value on Duke to win okay. the title. Okay, he, uh, let me press back just a little bit, Lynch. Just a little bit. I, I would agree they're not a lock. I mean, nothing's a lock, but I don't see them losing with Zion. Who's knocking them off? That's my thing in the East. That I think that bracket's a joke. I, do, it, I don't know. You know, Izzo's 1-11 against Coach K? I, I, I don't see it. They have no bench now with the kid that got hurt in the Big Ten tournament. I, and, and in the Final Four, they're looking at probably Gonzaga, maybe Longshot Syracuse, maybe Florida State, Michigan, Nevada. I, 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 my, I can't find a team that's beating Duke, but I'm going to say this. Virginia Tech is going to give them hell in this week. So 16. I'll explain to you my logic really quickly, and this might be a, a little difficult to follow on a podcast, but we'll do our damnedest. So let's say Duke has, I'm going to call it a 99.5% chance to win in the first round. Okay. I think that's that's fair. Probably maybe a little low. High, maybe a little high. Yeah, then we call, <laughs> maybe a little high. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything can happen. And that right, right. that's the whole principle here, right? Yeah. In any one game, in, an, in a single elimination tournament, Anything can happen in any 40 Which minutes. Which is why we love Mark exactly, Madness. Exactly, exactly. So then we'll say, say they have a 90% chance to win in the second round. Say they have an 80% chance to win their matchup in the third round as you start to get into some tougher teams. And say they have an 80% chance to win in, in the fourth round. And say they have a 75% chance to win in the semis. In the final four, okay. And then say they've got a 66% chance to win the tournament when they're playing, playing a team that's all otherwise championship caliber. All of those seem probably a little generous to me. Add those all up, and you're getting about a 38 40% chance that Duke wins the tournament. So that is what it is to me. It's not that I see any single opponent that's out there. It's just that when you add this up as a conditional probability and almost see it as, as a flop and a turn and a river coming in a poker hand, it's just that the, the math is there that this team doesn't win the title even half the time. And we talked about it. Their three-point shooting can be anemic. I, I know everybody points to the Duke-Gonzaga game back in November at the Maui Classic. The game before that, Duke struggled and did not cover against Auburn. And nobody's really talking about Auburn right now. Um, they won the SEC tournament, crushed Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee had beaten Kentucky, and that was their Super Bowl. You know, And they came out and got smoked. This Auburn team is, I mean, they, they I don't know what to make of them. They can make shots. They got Bruce Pearl, pretty good coach, shady coach. Uh, but, I, listen, Auburn can't count them out. I, I just love this, guy. So, thank you. You got one more I thing? was going to say, here's the good news. You got two days to figure it out. Then we're picking every first-round game. Let's go. And we will keep track of it. So, 32 first-round games. Um, what do you think? What would be a good first round? If you go 20... 20 and 12 would be excellent. 20 and 12 gets you just over 60%. Yeah, I think yeah, it's tough. Against the spread, though. But by Wednesday, the lines will probably be solidified. And I, you know what? Wednesday morning, as we, as John Sheeran said, the, uh, you know, the limits will be raised. Maybe we'll start seeing some of those $20,000, $30,000 bets. From you. 
Not for me. Oh. I'm not permitted to bet that much on a game, but maybe Conrad is. Uh, so for Andrew Lynch, producer Conrad, we want to thank John Sheeran uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. Just tremendous stuff. A lot of fun. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you, we gave out some winners today. Remember, Wednesday morning, we're picking every single first-round game against the spread. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>